This hour of gameplay is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. Today feels like a day where we can breathe a little bit. Now, you do have the Raptors playing tonight against the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, the Leafs, another day off. They play tomorrow. game you can listen to right here on TSN 1050 uh, against the Predators. But we can breathe because Monday's show was wall-to-wall NFL. Leafs and Raptors coming off two games uh, from Friday to Sunday night. There was a lot to get into. Today, I feel we like we can relax a little and just... You know, it's like getting into a tub that's a little too hot. You know, you just, you just, you, you get in gingerly. So, a, a, a couple things, just a couple things off the top. I wonder who do you feel worse for in the national championship game? And Georgia beat TCU sixty-five to seven. And I'm not going to talk about the game itself because there's nothing to talk about. Georgia outgained TCU by over four hundred yards and fifty-eight point margin. That is the largest in any national championship game in the history. I feel really bad for the TCU players. At some point, that had to suck. I feel bad for the friends and family of TCU players. Some of them you know, flew across the country, hotels, parking. And then after the game, how awkward did that conversation have been? You know, like when you go see a friend who's doing a music set or doing stand-up and they're a bad musician and they don't make you laugh. You're like, hey, that was great. I also feel bad for the TV advertisers who paid for second-half spots because no one was watching that in the uh, third and fourth quarter. I was doing stuff. I turned it on. It was like 38-3 to three or something. All right, that's it. I'm done with you. So I don't know. You can go. I, I put out a poll at uh, MCOS56 on Twitter. You can go and vote there. Love to know who uh, who do you feel the worst four, and yes, uh, clearly Georgia covered the spread. We told you yesterday uh, on FanDuel, it was 13 and a half, and I liked, uh, I liked Georgia. I'm like, I hate to be the dummy, but when in doubt, I take the SEC team. By the way, gameplay on TSN 1050 is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. And before we get into, uh, oh, actually, one other thing. I was looking on FanDuel at tomorrow's Leafs and Predators game. And, you know, this one, I'm not saying do it, but just, you know, just keep in mind. Austin Matthews, he's out for today, maintenance day, you know. And I don't think it's a big deal. But the fact is, is that the coach said, yeah, we'll see if he plays tomorrow. There was nothing definitive. And I do wonder at some point with the Maple Leafs, once it's become clear they're going to get second in the Atlantic, and, yes, they're going to take on the Tampa Bay Lightning again, Will they start, you know, giving the stars the odd night off? And I was looking at it for Boston, and, and aside from Brad Marchand, who's missed like nine or ten games. Um, when I look at the top three teams of the Atlantic, pretty much all the forwards, pretty much everyone's been healthy. But for the Maple Leafs, and, you know, knock on wood, it's not just the Leafs, but Marner, Nylander, Tavares, Michael Bunting, Austin Matthews, they've played in all 41 games. You know, the first line plays a lot of minutes. So I can see them going, you know what? Let's give Matthews a night off. Just give him a couple extra days here and there. Now, getting back to FanDuel, Predators, and I'm already seeing it's already gone down just a little bit. Now, a minor bit. Before the start of the show, it was 
plus 158 Predators on the money line, meaning Nashville's got to win. And by the way, if people don't know, when someone says the money line, that means there's no spread. It's just, I bet this team will win or this team will lose. It was plus 158, meaning if you bet $100, yeah, you'd win 158 It's now down to plus 155. So I wonder if that's going to change. And I'll bring on my producer, Chris Horvat, for a second here. Um, I'm also noticing uh, the over-under. The under was minus 128 It's still or, uh, for under six and a half goals. But just with the news of Matthews maybe not playing, you might want to throw money down on the Predators in the money line and maybe bet the under of six and a half goals. So just a couple bets to kind of keep in mind. A ton to get into, though, on today's show. And let's, you know, let's get right to it. I want to get, because um, I, I got to tell you, there is so much cool stuff going on right now with the wild card weekend. And maybe because it's a little bit lighter for the Leafs and the Raptors take on Charlotte back-to-back, those games don't have the same panache as other teams. I am totally psyched for this playoff round, and that is the subject of my opening thought. Time now for Matt's opening thought. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? And here we go. I mean, it's really nothing more than a self-absorbed monologue, a chance for Matt to rant about something and pretend he's a serious radio personality instead of a gas bag. Let's face it, he stole this idea from Dennis Miller. Now, I don't want to get off on a rant here. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. A bit of a spoiler alert. You're going to hear some of this uh, very condensed version in our Tuesday Top 5. Our Tuesday Top 5 is what is our top five favorite storylines leading into Wild Card Weekend. And I was thinking about my opening thought, and I'm like, well, no Leafs. They didn't play last night. They don't play till Wednesday against Nashville. Again, right here on TSN 1050. The Raptors play Charlotte tonight, but sorry, the, the Hornets are, I mean, they may be the most irrelevant team in the NBA. And it's ironic, owned by the greatest player of all time, Michael Jordan, yet they're so boring. So let's focus on maybe my favorite thing about these playoffs, and that is the age of the quarterbacks, notably the youth. Joe Burrow is 26 years old. He's tied with Josh Allen for the second most passing touchdowns. He's tied in the NFL in yards per game. He's only been sacked 12 times in his last eight games. And remember, you know, you could wonder, oh, Joe Burrow's really good, but, you know, let's see what he does after the team lost the Super Bowl. Will there be a regression? Will everyone sort of pat themselves on the back? And it hasn't happened. By the way, a lot of these quarterbacks I'm going to mention are the same age or younger than that Stetson fella who won the national championship with Georgia. That quarterback's 25. Josh Allen's also 26 years old. Top three MVP guy if he's healthy. Runs over anyone and can pass with everyone not named Patrick Mahomes. Lamar Jackson. We'll see if he plays. But he's 26 years old. He does have at least one playoff win in his belt. He's one of league MVPs, the best running quarterback in the game. And the Ravens, when he's healthy, they win almost... It's almost a two-to-one ratio of games they win or lose when he is in the lineup. Tua Tagovailoa is only 24. You know what? Let's move on from Tua. We'll move on from Tua because that future is a little bit dark. 
Justin Herbert, 24 years old. Sixth overall pick in 2020. Third in passing yards per game. Eighth in passing touchdowns. Has completed at least 74% of his passes in five of his last eight games. Trevor Lawrence, his opponent, is 23. And credit to Trevor Lawrence. Rookie year went 3-14. and 14. Urban Meyer as his coach. And has bounced back nicely. Since week 9, Jacksonville is 7-2. and two. He's thrown 15 touchdowns and 2 interceptions. The old man in this group is Patrick Mahomes. And he's 27. He had no Tyreek Hill. And he had a career high in passing yards. And threw the second most passing touchdowns of his career. He led the NFL in both those categories with no Tyreek Hill. You got some other youth out there to keep an eye on. Brock Purdy is 23. He's been incredible since taking over. We can debate, and we will, how much of it is Brock, how much of it is the infrastructure in San Fran. Jalen Hurts is 24. He was the favorite to win the MVP before the injury. Think about all the quarterbacks I've named that are all going to be playing either this weekend or next. Obviously, you won't see any Mahomes or Jalen Hurts. They got the buys. All those quarterbacks, most of them are 25 or under. Some are barely 26, and the old man is Patrick Mahomes. I I should end this by saying again a shout-out to Tom Brady, who's 45. Tom Brady is almost the age of Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy put together. The man's defeated times at three different Hall of Fame careers. Only four times in his career has he thrown for more yards than he did this last year at the age of 45. So it's it's kind of a, kind of a cool NFL weekend from a quarterback position when we can celebrate all the youth, and yet all that youth is still scared of a 45-year-old man. And that is... My opening thought. I'm finished. One other thing there, and uh, Chris Horvat, I was uh, looking at your notes. On this day in 1989, Wayne Gretzky became the NHL all-time leading scorer in combined regular season and playoff points. Do Do you know what's the most remarkable part of all of that? The fact that I wasn't born yet? (laughs) <laughs> where was that where was that with the last time i called you on <sighs> the mo- <laughs> you jerk <laughs> by the way he had four assists in a 5-4 home win over edmonton he set the record against edmonton no 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 here's the crazy part is that gretzky set that record and he was 27 years old Normally, when you set an all-time league record, you're in your mid-30s. You're slowing down. You've had surgery. You've got some salt and pepper in your hair. Like, you know, the the talk, well, you know, he's not like how he used to be. Gretzky did that at 27. I just think we're desensitized to just how good Gretzky was. You know, time has passed, and... You know, this yeah. generation of people don't really recognize how much better he was in terms of point production than the next best player. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure there's another example in, in all of sports where there's such a disparity between 
the no. point production it, of the first guy and the second guy. I mean, what what what's the stat, right? He never had to take a single shot in his career, and he would have finished as the all-time points leader. <laughs> like, it, like that's it's insane. incredible. It is. It is like like when we look at the guys, and LeBron might eventually get there as well. But in terms of the players that have dazzled us the most with their stats, and I'm talking like let's go. Let's go from when there was color TV. How about that? Because otherwise, like throw in Wilt Chamberlain. You know, if you want, throw in Wilt Chamberlain. But it's it's Gretzky and it's Brady in terms of what the hell? What are those numbers? Oh, Barry Bonds as well. Can't forget about Barry Bonds. But it's a select group where just their stats confuse and amuse you. And those are a couple of them right there. Um, one, one other, a, a revelation here, just because we're going to do news, what's going on in the world. I'm embarrassed to admit this. I, I thought Carlos Correa, I thought the deal was done. I, I thought the deal, I thought the, I thought the deal was done with the Mets. I, I just, I guess I've just been so in the weeds of other things. And now I'm finding out that Correa, Correa and the twins are finalizing a six year, $200 million deal. Uh, has a vesting option that can max out at $270 million. I don't know what a vesting option is. I don't know why I read that to you. But what the hell is going on with Carlos Correa? I need to see his medicals. And I know that's an invasion of privacy. And everyone got angry at Steve Simmons when he mentioned that Austin Matthews had COVID and, and there's HIPAA laws and all these things. But, but, but Carlos Correa went from 13 years at $350 million with the Giants 12 years at 315 million with the Mets to now 6 years at 200 million with Minnesota. What the hell is going on with him? On a per year basis, that's actually the best deal of the 3 when you break the math down in it. Yeah. But Adam and I were but talking But you about, want turn. In turn Adam and I were talking about this. How awkward is that now for Correa to go back into the locker room there? Like he, I know he tried to leave not only <laughs> once; he tried to leave twice. Like, yeah. <laughs> sorry, twins, you were my third option. I guess I'll take your two hundred million. Yeah, it's like, like how is it going to come on, guys? We can win this game. Let's do this. Ah, shut up, Carlos. You don't even want to be here. You're right. It 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 is awkward. I just. I want to know. I so want to know what are the um, what are the medicals? What is scared away? And you're right, the average per year. But you know, we're talking about your numbers over 300 million to a measly 200 million. What is going on with the body and the bones of Carlos Correa? Well, if I recall correctly, they signed uh, the Twins signed him to a three-year deal where he could opt out after one year. And they reviewed his medical records, so they were fine enough with whatever they saw to give him a hundred million and guarantee it, right? It's kind of fascinating how from team to team in MLB, there's different medical groups that will approve certain things and there's other ones that won't sign off on it. The Twins are clearly comfortable giving Correa this amount of money, but the Mets and the Giants weren't. It's just kind of interesting. You, you, you think that it would be more uniform across all the different medical divisions in, in MLB. Yeah. Yeah, you think it would, but something's there. Because, yeah, there is no salary cap. And listen, you screw up a signing, it's going to hurt you no matter what. But it hurts you less in baseball than it does in other sports. Uh, I mean, in hockey, I mean, versus basketball or, or football. Um, but the point is, is I want to know what that injury is. 
to scare these teams off where they weren't willing to take a chance. Because even if it failed, no salary cap in baseball, so it's not going to hamstring you like it is if you are a general manager in the NHL. I believe report. Oh, I sorry to yeah. cut you off. I, I believe. Nada, nada. The, I believe reportedly it's something to do with his right fibula. So he had mm-hmm. surgery on it, and I suppose the way that it healed. Some of the doctors think it's a little bit problematic long term. Uh, I'm certainly not a doctor, but from all accounts, that's what I've been reading. All right. On the other side of the show, there's some NFL sound out there that uh, made me wonder, is the offseason going to be as interesting as the postseason? We'll explain in just a moment. I'm Matthew Cause. You are listening to Gameplay right here on TSN 1050. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I am your host, Matthew Kaz. As I was mentioning in the first segment, uh, you might want to put down some money on a, on a, um, on the National Predators on the money line, get some value there, and maybe take the under just for the news that we may not see Austin Matthews tomorrow. And as I was saying before, if the Maple Leafs get second locked up, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, Bunting, Matthews, none of them missed a game yet this year. So something to keep an eye on right now, though. It is just a maintenance day. Going to the NFL, there's a couple pieces of sound I'd, I'd like to play here. And let me start with uh, from ESPN, Lewis Riddick. And yeah, the big conversation is the Arizona Cardinals, Kingsbury gone, general manager gone so the two people responsible for bringing in trusting signing coaching training kyler murray are now no longer part of the arizona cardinals what could that mean for murray's future here's what lewis riddick had to say well considering the fact that they made this commitment to kyler murray hannah and quite honestly i don't know where they go without him when you look him in the face and you kind of listen to him then talk about his quarterback and just talk about how he exerts his influence on this football team, it doesn't really make you feel confident in the direction of this franchise. So I think that's what they're going to have to find. Who's that coach? Who's that general manager if Steve Kime isn't there that can really extract maximum value out of Kyler Murray? And if you don't think you can get it out of Kyler Murray, then you are really in a world of hurt. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. You could well, potentially be in Murray. here with them. Exactly. Is, is he the answer? Exactly. Okay, I mean, because... That's, that's going to be something that uh, Michael Bidwell is going to have to figure out with the people who he does bring in to be his trusted advisors if Steve Kime's not going to be that guy. So now you wonder about the future of Kyler Murray. Arizona does have the third overall pick in the draft. Now would a team take a chance on Murray because you now got that contract coming your way? Now let's go to former Jets general manager with ESPN, Mike Tannenbaum, talking about what are the Bears' options at quarterback now that they've secured the number one pick in the draft. I would trade Justin Fields, and I'm taking nothing away from him. I think he has a chance to be a good, maybe a top ten quarterback, but... If you can get at least a first and a third round pick, which I believe you can, because so many teams need a quarterback, I'm going to draft Bryce Young, who I think is going to be a better quarterback than Justin Fields. And when I do that and get at least a first and a third round pick, I'm resetting Bryce Young's rookie contract, and I'm going to be able to get at least four starting caliber players. A great illustration of this, guys, is what happened in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence is on his rookie deal. They go out and get guys like Christian Kirk, Brandon Scherf, Evan Ingram, amongst others. So if I could turn Justin Fields basically into six quality players 
and get Bryce Young, who I think will be the better player, I'm making that move if I'm the Bears. And what about Justin Fields? And then it made me wonder, how many quarterbacks could be on the move this offseason? Now, this isn't the NBA where often the the offseason's more interesting than the regular season and sometimes even the playoffs. I don't believe in that. But let's think about this for a second. Kyler Murray, what if Arizona decides to go in a completely different direction? They can find a suitor, take Kyler Murray, take that contract, get a draft pick back. You know, there's going to be a lot of teams that's going to be enamored with Kyler Murray. When he's been healthy, Kyler Murray's put up incredible numbers. Kyler Murray's won a lot of games. Then there's Justin Fields. I, I've never understood, like, I think Justin Fields, very dynamic, big, strong guy, but he's not a great passer. The Bears went 3-14. and 14. There was very few teams that scored fewer points than the Bears this past year. Washington. Tampa, actually, that is a that to me is maybe the most shocking one, and the Rams. But what about moving Justin Fields? You can get a lot of draft capital, and then you go and grab the young man from Alabama. What about Jimmy Garoppolo? What about Trey Lance? What if San Fran wins the Super Bowl? What does that do for Brock Purdy? I mean, I mean, listen, San Fran invested a ton. In Trey Lance, and he's done nothing for them. Nothing. Zero. Brock Purdy's put up better numbers. Same team, same offense. And then what about Aaron Rodgers? Is he going to walk away? What about Tom Brady? So I was talking about Brady's going to go somewhere else. We'll, we'll end with Aaron Rodgers here. We'll end, uh, there's some interesting Aaron Rodgers sound talking about, you know, I mean, there's like, it's like somewhere between 55 and $60 million he'd be walking away from. So he was asked about could you walk away from the money? I mean to be crass asking you this, but Here we go. Um, could you <laughs> really walk away from that, from that contract? I mean, that's an enormous amount of money, and you guaranteed it, I was, I'm assuming, for a reason. You asked for it to be guaranteed for a reason. Yes. Money is energy, and uh, I have made a ton of it, and I'm very thankful for this organization, uh, the generational wealth that they've uh, offered me. Hopefully, feel like that I've earned a lot of it, but yeah, for sure, I, I can definitely walk away from that. I mean, if he did, that would set a record. That'd be even more stunning in terms of money he's leaving on the table than Andrew Luck. Now, Andrew Luck, different scenario, obviously much younger and just dealing with a lot more physical and mental stress. But you could see Tom Brady on the move, Aaron Rodgers walk away because Green Bay's not going to cut him. And then we have Kyler Murray, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Jimmy Garoppolo. And then you wonder, where would these people end up? Well, look at the AFC East. Think, how are the other teams feeling knowing that the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen are going to dummy them, just like the Patriots used to do? What if Miami decides we can't trust Tua? He's, because he's a competitor, he might lie to us, and he said all these, and want to play even if he can't. And all those concussions, it could end his career like that. Just go look at Luke Keekley, you know, who, uh, linebacker for the Panthers, left the game in tears as a young man because of all the head injuries. What about the New York Jets? Great rookie receiver, great running back, great defense. Didn't work out well. Zach Wilson says, I'm going to give hell to whatever, whatever quarterback comes in here. 
That could be a place. Would they make a deal for Justin Fields? Would they make a deal for Kyler Murray? Certainly a possibility. Indianapolis Colts, 4-12-1. That team's desperate. Even the Titans. Ryan Tannehill, not a young guy. Ryan Tannehill, we know what that ceiling is there. I'm just throwing it out there that there's a lot of talk of what's going to happen next with a lot of very prominent quarterbacks out there. And you never know. A guy goes from one team to another and can become a star. Just ask the Seattle Seahawks and Geno Smith, who will be in the playoffs this weekend. All right, on the other side of the show, Jason Logan from Covers.com is going to join us. We'll get into all things Wild Card Weekend. We'll do that next. I'm Matthew Cause. You are listening to Gameplay right here on TSN 1050. I should remind everyone that tomorrow's classic lotto 649 jackpot is an estimated $5 million, and the gold ball jackpot is an estimated $10 million. Text 649 and your name to 105050 for your chance to win $100 in lotto 649 tickets with Encore. Standard message rates apply to all entries. Lotto 649, find your possible. So again, text 649 and your name to 105050. 50-50 for your chance to win. My name is Matthew Cause. This is Gameplay right here on TSN 1050. Joining me now from Covers.com. And by the way, a great site. Like, I went on it today just because it's a great place to go to get your one-stop shop for information. Um, so I was looking up for the Raptors taking on the Hornets tonight. Boom, I went there, grabbed a little piece of info. It's a good place to be. And uh, we are joined now by Jason Logan, Senior Industry Analyst. Jason, thanks so much for joining the show today. Oh, you're welcome. And and covers 100% free. You don't need to sign up. You don't need a membership fee or anything like that. It's why YKS. You know, you got to pay your bookie, so why come out and have to pay us, too? So, yeah, it's 100% free. Go check it out. It is. It is. It's, it's You know, there, to me, some of it should be under a paywall, uh, except for Andrew Cayley. The man's a fool. Um, so, <laughs> a lot to get into. First, let's do the let's do cone of honesty here. Did you watch the entire national championship game? No, I, I didn't. So, uh, oh, good for I, you. I'm good. Not, I'm, not a, I'm not a big college football guy like i enjoy college football i just don't have the time to watch it but uh my my son's birthday usually falls around the same time as the title game so we usually go to the local pub sit down have something to eat watch the game and we were just hoping for we were hoping for a good game so by by halftime when they were up 31 uh, it was check please and uh, we were on our way home yeah i was out doing some errands and things i came home and i saw that score i'm like well I guess I was right when I, I you know, because my prediction was Georgia would win in cover, and it was it was based on no actual intelligence beyond when in doubt, take the SEC team to win in cover. That was it, and it paid off. Yeah, and you could absolutely see, like, that pedigree of player. Like, when I just first saw them on the field, I was like, wow, Georgia is just so much bigger than TCU. So it, it, even the eyeball test for anyone that didn't know anything about football or which conference those teams came from. It looked like uh, little giants out there at some time. Yeah, except with a realistic ending and not a Hollywood one. <laughs> yeah. 
So, Jason, as you're my guest on the show, here's what I was thinking I was going to do, and I came up with this idea when the music was still playing. There okay. is six NFL wild card games on this weekend. Um, you tell me which one you're the most interested in, and then I'll give you a corresponding question uh, depending on which one you give. Uh, honestly, I'm just kind of starting to sink my teeth into a lot of these. I do have some early bets, but, uh, I mean, they all have their own thing. If you just want to go through the schedule, we can just go through the schedule and, and see, what we, see what we come up with. All right, we'll start first with this one, Seattle at San Fran. Uh, this one might be the least compelling because, I mean, Seattle to me is the Cinderella story, but Brock Purdy is also a Cinderella story. In the end, it comes down to this. San Fran is averaging 36 points per game at home with Mark Purdy under under center. Seattle's giving up nearly 30 points per game when they're on the road. Can you make any argument for why Seattle can uh, cover the spread or come up with an upset? Outside of, like, divisional game. And Seattle's defense is playing much better, um, which wasn't that hard to do considering how bad it looked at the start of the season. But they are playing much better. Uh, towards the end of the season. But for me, I'm looking at the total here. This is one of the bets that I did have in the early bet. I took under 43 in this game. If we look, yes. at, the last, if we look at the last matchup, and we don't have to go back that far. They played in week 15. The Niners won 21-13. They were up 21-6 leading late in the fourth quarter, and then Seattle scored a touchdown to make it look a little closer than it was. But the Niners went out. They had 170 yards rushing. Um you know, And they made Seattle have to pass more in that second half. And, and Seattle has been finding a balance on offense or wanting to run a lot more. Um, and that one closed with the total around 42 and a half. But for, for this, like I said, the defense for Seattle is looking much better. The offense for Seattle is not looking as good as it was earlier in the year. Um, and then, like I said, we know the Niners approach. They want to go slow, methodical pace on offense and, uh, and, and chew it up on the ground. So I, I, like, I like the under here. The weather for Santa Clara is not calling for California weather as well, too. The extended forecast right now, dang rain, potential winds, nothing too crazy, but not great weather for, for uh, Santa Clara. So uh, I think as we get closer to the weekend, this total is going to tick down. So I do like the under 43 right now. Love it. And a bonus one for people out there. Keep an eye on the Christian McCaffrey receiving prop bets. He has caught 80% of his targets. Seattle is without their best, one of their best linebackers in Jordan Brooks. So um, I think there's going to be a matchup there that you can exploit. Moving on, then, we will just go in chronological order. It is Chargers at Jacksonville. And the thing I'm curious about with uh, both these quarterbacks is that if you go look at guys like Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson – None of those quarterbacks put up good numbers in their first playoff start, and now we've got two young guys that we all love making their first start. How do you see this from the perspective of uh, Herbert versus Lawrence? Well, I will say Herbert is the best quarterback Jacksonville has faced in a few games here. Like They took advantage of guys like Dobbs and Mills and Zach Wilson, some pretty bad quarterbacks. And when we've seen them play quality quarterbacks, they've given up a ton of points. You look at the recent matchups with Dallas and Detroit, Baltimore, Kansas City, they gave up 27, 27, 40, 34 points there. And Herbert is a better quarterback than all but Mahomes in that list of guys there. And a far, far bigger and a big step up in competition from those last three foes. So I I am looking at Herbert props here once those start to roll out. Uh, Touchdown passes, looking towards some overs. Even with Mike Williams, dinged up in the stupid move by Staley to play some of those guys, but he is, <laughs> he is trending towards practicing. So we are seeing that 
Now we did see we did see the Jags beat them thirty eight ten back in week three. They took advantage of a really bad Chargers run defense, which is still there. They haven't plugged those holes at all too. So they could play a little keep away from Herbert, and that makes me feel maybe even a little better about his passing because if they if they do have success on the ground and they are be able to chew up the OP and take their time and kind of limit him, I think he's going to have to come out and, and throw it. So uh, looking at Herbert overs there, but definitely an interesting line move. This one opened anywhere from plus one and a half to plus two and a half on Sunday night. We saw those injuries popping up for the Jags, and then the market started moving away from the Chargers, and we saw this one um, you know, drop as low as Jacksonville plus one to a pick at home. We are seeing some big comeback up as we're getting positive news on the Chargers, so we're seeing this one go back. I, I could see it getting back up to like L.A. minus one and a half again, maybe minus two. You know what the weird thing about that is? And I know no one wants to bet on Jacksonville. And Justin Herbert is a sexy quarterback, even though his average yards per throw is in the Matt Ryan level. But the, the Jaguars, I know they're in the AFC South, but they beat Dallas, the Chargers, and Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. I went and looked it up. The Chargers' biggest win was against Miami when they won 23-17. I think that's mm-hmm. their only win against the team that's over 500. I don't know yeah. why all the money is going on the road Chargers. Um, well, it's not, it's, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's there yet. I think you could see kind of something to come back now. We'll see the Jags. The Jags play nice with the advanced analytics. So in, in terms of, like, the sharper guys, the system guys, they've been a very, very popular pick towards the, the last month and a half of the season. A lot of pro guys were on Jacksonville. Um, so I think, I think we'll see a pretty good split here. But for me, I'm looking at Herbert as that massive step up in QB competition for them. And, um, yep. you know, regardless of how the, how the game works out, his, I think his props are live. So. From Covers.com, we're joined by senior industry analyst Jason Logan. Uh, moving on to Sunday. Uh, t- to me, like the problem with Sunday is I have no idea with the health of Tua. I got no idea the health of Lamar Jackson. So to me, it feels like uh, just a very simple parlay. And if you want to be a coward, and I am, you take it on the money line. You just parlay the Bills and the Bengals to win. That to me seems like a a nice cowardly Sunday bet. Yeah, so if you look at the – there was one offshore book, and they kind of did us a favor by coming out and saying, these are kind of the spread ranges, to the, depending on the Miami QB situation. They were saying if Tua was in, Miami would be about a seven-point underdog. If Teddy B is in, around a 10, Skylar Thompson, it's going to be about two touchdowns. And if you look at the market right now, it's sitting around 10.5 to 11. You've got Mostert. His uh, status is also questionable as well, too. For me, I, I look at the, the Bills' offense – and their defense, their offense had their way with Miami last time out. And then the defense, this is the third go-around for Leslie Fraser against this McDaniel offense, which was a little bit of a question mark. Uh, no one really knew what was going to come out of it. And then they've got a worse, they're potentially going to have a worse QB. If you, if you pay attention to the odds and you say that it's a 10, 10 and a half, they're looking at, that's what it's saying is Teddy B or Skylar Thompson. So they're going to have a worse QB at the wheel for that game. So for me, um, you know, it's at 10 and a half. It's on the other side of that hook. I'm a big fan of the double result, which is like the first half full game odds, and you can get some okay prices there if you're not comfortable laying a big favorite. Right now, you can get the Bills to win the first half and then just win the game at around minus 180, which it's under 2-1. to one. I, yeah. have no I have no problem laying that with a team as quality Ooh. as Buffalo in a defense as bad. And, and then the offensive line for the Dolphins as well dinged up. So um, I think Buffalo gets right. I think the result that we saw um, against New England – 
was a bit skewed. It was a weird game, but it was a weird week for Buffalo. You had the Hamlet incident. You had them traveling back home. You had them not focused, not really prepared, not playing a lot of football before that game with the Patriots. And we saw it. They had three turnovers. It was just kind of a messy game. Um, I think they really tighten it up. They come after the Dolphins in this game. Oh, I love that bet. I love that bet. All three of the Bills' losses have been by two points, three points, three points. And when they lost to Miami, they outgained them by 285 yards, had 16 <laughs> more first downs, held the ball for over 40 minutes. And as you mentioned there, Jason, Teron Armstead has missed uh, Miami's last two games. Their right tackle, Brandon Shell, left the game with a knee and ankle injury over the weekend, and he did not return. Finally, <laughs> Giants at Minnesota. This game feels like a hot potato of I don't trust you. The Vikings win every game by one score. The Giants can't pass. And, and defensively, their numbers are not as good as you think. They're dead last in interceptions. Uh, they're, they're 18th in points allowed, 25th in yards allowed. I don't trust either of these teams. How say you with Giants at Minnesota? Yeah, I mean, and this is one of those matchups where you don't have to go back too far. We can look at. Uh, you know, how these teams played, and they actually played on Christmas Eve. So we do get a relatively yeah. recent sample size. And Minnesota, in true Minnesota's fashion, squeaked out a 27-24 win. They had a uh, field goal at the last second that went over. They, co- they, they failed to cover as four-and-a-half favorites. That line opened three, so it didn't move up. We're seeing this one three. It dipped down to two-and-a-half. We're seeing some buyback. You can get Minnesota right now minus three, a cheap minus three. Um, but looking at that game, the Giants led 13-10 heading into the fourth quarter, and then there was this, this big eruption of points. But the Giants, they left a lot of points on the table. They had a fumble on the 23rd-yard line uh, on Miami – or sorry, Minnesota's 23rd-yard line. They had some bad drops in the fourth quarter as well, too, that had them settling for field goal. And then they had two turnovers, had seven penalties. It wasn't a great game for the Giants, yet they just did not go away. Now, the Vikings, they don't play nice with the analytics – Sharp guys hate them. It's a thir- it's a yeah. thir- thirteen win team that kind of ranks out along the lines of like Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Like they they definitely don't speak to their record. And then if you look at the Giants, you said the Giants don't play well on defense. Well, they have played well towards the end of the year here since week fifteen, number three in EPA allowed per play. Uh, and and then they have this blitz happy attack that comes after Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins struggles against the blitz, so I think the G men definitely a lean as an underdog here. I would love to see it on the other side, like a three and a half, but I just don't know if it's, it's going to get there. Yeah, and that winning field goal was a 61-yarder at the gun, and uh, that was yeah on back in weeks when week 16. Uh, Jason, by the way, plug uh, plug the podcast. Where where can find Jason Logan beyond his work uh, with Covers.com? Sure. Well, we have the, we have the Sharp 600 podcast, which is Covers podcast. We do that every Tuesday and Friday afternoon. Uh, primarily NFL focused, but with the NFL coming to a close, soon we'll be swinging that to NBA. But it, we go fast and furious for 600 seconds of, of high protein, low fat sports betting content. <laughs> that, that's fantastic. So I, I love everything about it except just switch the protein and the fat or make it 50 50. <laughs> and now that's a little bit closer to my own diet. Hey, Jason, really appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining the show today. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Take care. That is Jason Logan, Senior Industry Analyst with Covers.com. You can follow on Twitter at CoverJLo. All right, coming up. Uh, by the way, in the 3 o'clock hour, we got Josh Lewenberg is going to join us. I have a lot of questions to ask him about this team, quote, figuring bleep out. Our Tuesday top five, 
things we want to see in the NFL playoffs. But coming up on the side, a couple of bets that we like from FanDuel about all things Raptors and Hornets. That's coming up in just a moment. I'm Matthew Cause. You are listening to Gameplay right here on TSN 1050. It is certainly not glory days for Otto Porter Jr. A week ago today, Nick Nurse Nick Nurse was asked if Otto Porter Jr. is making progress. Quote, he is not. He is not. Well, the Raptors just announced that Otto Porter Jr. has undergone season-ending surgery on his left foot. Quote from Bobby Webster, this was a tough decision for Otto. He'd hoped to avoid surgery, surgery, but ultimately a decision had to be made to ensure his long-term health. We look forward to his healthy recovery. Otto Porter Jr. is done for the year, averaged 5.5 points, 2.4 rebounds in 18 minutes in eight games this season. Not the best free agency signing by the Toronto Raptors. As for the Raptors themselves, they take on the Charlotte Hornets. And the interesting thing is, is this game shouldn't be interesting. That's sort of an indictment on the Raptors. A Tuesday night game against the Pacers, or excuse me, against the, um, against the Hornets shouldn't be a big deal. But it is. Only the sense of the Raptors losing record. Are they going to try to get into the play-in tournament? Do they have enough in them to make a run at getting the sixth seed? That's who the Pacers have. Pacers are the sixth seed right now, 23-18, sixth in the East. That's where we thought the Raptors would be. Worst-case scenario was they would at least be better than the, the Indiana Pacers, and they're not. So what they do against a team like the Hornets well, now our um, our attention is a lot higher than what it normally would be. And not just us as fans or the media, but other teams waiting to see what's going to happen to a Raptors team that's lost 14 of its last 20. Schedule's about to get really easier. All those games where they're losing by, you know, three, four, five points, that can eventually turn around the other way. From a betting perspective, and uh, going on yield fan duel, Raptors are favored by eight. I think I would take Charlotte here. Not saying that the Raptors aren't going to win at home. Hornets are a horrible team. But if you look at the last 15 or so games, there's not that much of a difference between these two teams. I found this stat that Toronto won in five against the spread their last six games after a win on the year 19 and 21 against the spread and asking a team that's been up and down all year to win by eight points or more. That's it's a big ask. It's a, it's, it's a very big ask. Also LaMelo balls back in the lineup. So you might want to take the uh, team total for the Hornets. It's set at 110. When Lamar Bellows, uh, LaMelo Ball, excuse me, when LaMelo Ball is in the lineup, Hornets are averaging 116. 
So, you know, very sort of just simple bets that I saw on on FanDuel that maybe keep an eye on for this game tonight. Now, the Raptors, they did end that three-game losing streak on Sunday. They beat Portland, a game that got really close, and then Van Vliet hit a couple threes. And Toronto will face off against Charlotte twice at home tonight and on Thursday. And if the Raptors do have dreams where they're going in this, say, we're not going down without a fight. We, are, we might not be buyers, but we are not sellers as well. Well, then, simple. you got to win these two games. And the Hornets, better team with the ball in the lineup. They, they beat Milwaukee on Friday by, you know, by 29 points. But both these teams have struggled. Raptors, their win, only their fourth in the last 15. Hornets have won three in their past 10. These are two struggling teams. For Charlotte, it's about one thing. It's about being in that bottom four, getting in the stakes to get Victor Wambanyama. For the Raptors, much, much more murky. Moving on to baseball for a second. I didn't get a chance to talk about this, but the Blue Jays have agreed to terms on a one-year deal with Brandon Belt, formerly of the San Francisco Giants. He won World Series with that team in 2012 and 2014. And it was only a couple of years ago that Belt was still putting up really good numbers. But then, like most athletes not named Tom Brady or LeBron James, eventually injuries happen. He's 35 years old, coming off his third knee surgery. Also, the other con, first base only sort of fella. But there's a lot of uh, pros here. If Jansen and Kirk stay healthy, that means Belt can have plenty of time as the DH. If uh, Jansen gets hurt... You know, then um, then Belt, you know, can be counted on to to shoulder a majority of uh, of of the work if uh, if Jansen gets injured. Helps out Vladigro Jr. Gives some insurance in case of any injury to him. So for me, you look at Brandon Belt, and what is he? He's a low risk sort of player. It's a one year deal. It's nine point three million. Older veteran player with plenty of championship experience. A left handed bat. And maybe we'll see more power. He's going from the NL West to the AL East. Usually does a fairly good job against right-handed pitching. To me, it's a good deal. I would it's say, good, so. I would say yeah. so, too, because he's going from AT&T Park to Rogers Center, like you mentioned. So I, I, yeah. I think you're right. There's a good chance that his offensive numbers could see a bit of a tick up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and also, why not? Why not take the chance? It's baseball. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. It's 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 a one year deal. It's nine point three million. It's a guy with lots of winning experience and you know, left handed bat off the bench, insurance for Vlad, he can DH if everyone else around him is healthy, you know, and it was a couple of years ago where he was an above average hitter. He's been an above average hitter throughout his career. So yeah, I, I think Arvat, we're on the we're on the same page here. Like this just yeah, good deal. Good deal all around. And he's got my number one skill that I look for for ah. any any hitter, which is plate discipline. He's got a good eye at the plate. He's not yep. going to be an automatic out. And you mentioned that he's left-handed. I, I think when you look at the additions, Varsho, uh, Kiermaier, Belt, it's pretty clear the Blue Jays are committed to not being as right-handed heavy this year. And that can only be beneficial because it's been, what, two or three years now where the whole lineup's pretty much been right-handed, right? Yeah, so you know what? Good deal, good deal. No one, I don't think anyone out there uh, is going to complain. Um, on the on the other side of the show, we're going to be joined by Josh Lewenberg, and in his latest article, here was the final line: 
One way or another, the Raptors aren't likely to stand pat on February 9th. Change seems inevitable in some form. It's just a question of what they'll do and how the league's dominoes will fall from there. Are the Raptors the most interesting Jenga piece on the NBA trade deadline? We'll ask Josh Lewenberg. That's coming up next. I'm Matthew Cause. You are listening to Gameplay right here on TSN 1050. This hour of Gameplay is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 